Welcome to the Solid Verbal. The Solid Verbal. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I've heard so many players say, well, I want to be happy. You want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. It's that woo-woo! And now, Dan and Ty. Welcome back to the Solid Verbal, boys and girls. My name is Ty Hildenbrand. Joining me, as always, over there in Chicagoland, Dan Rubenstein, sir. How are you? I think you need to move to Chicagoland because you say it so well. It Do just I? rolls off the tongue. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I had a whole slew of Dr. Richard Kimball jokes in the queue over here, but um, now that you compliment to me, I guess I can't make those. How are you today? It's, I'm good. And it's weird that you bring up Richard Kimball, of course, the lead character on The Fugitive, both the movie and TV show, because I just recorded a brand new with our friend and that is actually dr richard kimball is featured on the new with our friend how about really that? is that a yeah, true no that's a true that's statement 100 percent fact and you will hear it when you listen to the brand new with our friend interesting well yeah with that being You're- said we're already humming on the same frequency here i am ty he is dan we are the solid verbal. We are getting ready for college football. We yes. kind of have a general idea for what form that's going to take on. Obviously subject to change, but for the duration of this show, you and I are going to go through some of the re-released college football win totals that are out there. I also found in scrolling through my FanDuel app here in PA, some odds on conference champions. Not just winning the conference outright, but I'm talking winning the actual conference championship game. Okay. We'll get into that in just a little bit, as well as news and all the other you're fun stuff. You're guaranteeing you're going to make people money, right? I am making no such guarantee. <laughs> you're guaranteeing the Ty Hildebrandt stone cold, icy thermometer locks of the decade are coming your way. I have a couple picks here that I'm very interested in, but... Uh, no, I'm not making any such guarantee. How's your how's your setup for game watching this year? Because I know you've been, you know, you've, you've been adjusting your patio and remodeling and doing all sorts of things at your home. Is it going to be the same game watching setup? Obviously, we're not going to need as many screens with some cancellations. Have you thought about what your your visual is going to be this fall? I am since it stays summer until the winter nowadays. I am yeah. working on a an outdoor setup. Whoa! Where I can invite some friends over and enjoy Projector the pageantry. Or mounted. What are we talking about? Uh, I think we're just talking like a two hundred and fifty dollar Roku TV, that sort of deal. That I can move outside. I don't know. It depends what's on sale. Come on, yeah, come on this show. Deals. Try to woo me. I'm open, man. Are you Are you asking for? the representatives of budget television companies to come on a college football show to sell you as if you are some sort of budget electronic shark. Is that I what believe you're that's proposing? exactly what I'm doing. I think that's right. All right just making sure. I think I'm that's game. right. Okay. I'm working on that Good setup. Have you had a chance to go through your setup now that you've moved into a new abode? Yeah, we mounted the new TV I got. And so that's, I've never had a mounted TV. So that's really nice. It should be made for... Now, do you, watching, but, did you mount yeah. it up above eye level? Like, what is what is the situation, the orientation of that TV relative it's not, to your eye it's level? Not a, it's not like the level above a fireplace, but it is above eye level. It would, okay. It's sort of eye level if I'm standing up. So I think the middle of the screen is probably I think that's, six that's feet doable. Above. Yeah. I've seen okay. a lot yeah. of very poor mounting decisions with regard to the TV. Oh. <laughs> with regard to the TV. Okay, I'm just near words, God, you know. A little too high up, um, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. No, so, and but because we have the stand still, the, the TV stand, we have a, a TV, sta- uh, a, one of Jody's old TVs, a smaller TV that I might just move on to the stand for game watching right. as a second TV. But no, we're in good shape. I'm working on the outdoor thing. The indoor thing, I think, will be mostly in state. I'm not going to change good. that around, but last All time right. around this year, we obviously didn't have this pandemic where... It was a little cagey about inviting people inside, and so I'm trying to utilize the space outdoors as best I can. Smart. Smart. I'll do what I can to try and live out a normal college football Saturday. So we're going to talk through all of that. We're going to talk through the news, 
Don't forget, if you like the show, there is no time like the present, Dan. Go on out to solidverbal.com. You'll find all of the links that you need right there, whether you're into Spotify or Apple or Google or Stitcher or TuneIn, literally anywhere, anywhere you listen to a podcast, you should be able to find the link out on our website, solidverbal.com, as well as all of our old stuff. If you're just tuning in for the first time, go on out there, give a listen to some of the previous stuff that we've done all off-season, frankly, for the last 12 years. <laughs> what? Hold doing, on. We've been doing stuff for 12 years now. Can you believe it? No, I know. But you're saying give it a listen. Like, should we should we encourage this and go back? Here, I've got an idea, Ty. Maybe next week. We go back and we do a director's commentary on our 2013 Pac-12 preview. <laughs> <laughs> because we don't have a 2020 Pac-12 preview coming up. So we go back to 2013 and we just relive just so we can get some Pac-12 football do the same for the Big Ten relive a preview of conferences that won't be happening to at least get some Midwest and West Coast content out there how about that we would get tens of thousands of downloads even if we posted (laughs) an old preview show it's true it's absolutely true we would get many thousand unsubscribes if we did that but nonetheless content is free content is free if you like the show if you haven't already Please go on out, give us a five-star review, especially now as we get close to college football season and folks are out there looking around for a good college football podcast. Trust me, your support is greatly appreciated and helps others find the show. You can also find us on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. There's a subreddit at solidverbal.reddit.com. You can join up with other verballers if you want to get in on the fun and talk about each and every episode, Dan. But um, yeah. Here is the theme that I want to move forward with, and we're going to get into news. We are now very quickly coming to a place where it still does not quite feel right to me, like this season's actually going to happen. And right. I don't I don't mean that with any kind of like moral authority. I don't mean it in that sense, but I'm still very cautious about this whole thing. Like, right. we'll talk about cases and where they're spiking up around the South and around the country. Uh, but... Pretty soon here, we got to start getting serious, right? Yeah, I, I think what you meant to say, maybe I'm, I'm wrong here too, but I think what you meant to say is it's very strange to try to turn off the entirety of the world around college football, right? I think that's right. It, it's very strange too. And we are, you know, our first priority is like, hey, if we can get some college football in with about, without a bunch of kids getting sick and spreading disease, buddy, that's a win. That's a huge win. That'd be amazing. So that's what we're rooting for. Um, but you're right. It is. It is very strange because for the, what, 12 years, 11 years, 13 years, whatever we've been doing the show or season wise, we've just said, oh, my God, it's August and college football is almost here. Let's giggle like schoolgirls and figure out who has an amazing defense, who has a, a, a coordinator coming in that's going to change everything, who is is set to nosedive after an amazing 2010 or whatever and it's just it's hard to look at the sport through those same glasses right i think it is it's really hard to come at this like we're shot out of a cannon yeah like we normally would because the whole schedule's been thrown off and look there's still a fair amount of uncertainty we're going to talk about that here momentarily when we get to news yeah but as of now Barring any kind of unforeseen circumstances between when we're recording this on a Tuesday night and well, when we'll record next, excuse me, on Thursday evening, I believe the plan is to move forward with an ACC preview on Thursday. Correct. It is. And we are going to look at football. We're going to look at schedules. We're going to look at rosters. We're going to look at coaching changes. We are going to look at the ACC and hope for the best. Hope for the best. Should we get to news? Let's do that. We have breaking news! Boop, 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 boop. Solid wife Kate tells me that the dog looks very confused <laughs> this is the breaking whenever, news? whenever she hears me yelling oh, okay. upstairs. Good. About breaking that means you're news. Doing your job. So, look, we've got an AP Top 25, Dan. We do. An AP Top 25, interestingly enough, they released it. And it featured many of the teams who are not going to be playing this year. Did they give a reason why? 
I did not see the reason why. Did you? <laughs> I didn't see a reason why. I assume it's because there's some like, oh, we need to put 25 teams. Our our website is structured such that there needs to be 25 <laughs> slots. So we didn't want to put in like XXXXX as number, you know, whatever. Uh, where Whereas a, a Big 10 team or a Big 12 team. So, yeah. Okay. I like it. Well, let's do it. Why not? So the Big 10 had Ohio State number, what, two. They had Penn State number seven. The Pac-12 had Oregon at number nine. Obviously, those schools are not going to be playing their seasons because of concerns over the coronavirus, which means that our Rona-adjusted top 10 looks something like this. Clemson one, Alabama two, Georgia three, Oklahoma four. Any surprises? Didn't think so. Moving on. Five, LSU, six, Florida, seven, Notre Dame, eight, Auburn, nine, A&M. And 10, the Texas Longhorns, Dan. Any surprises here in looking through this? I guess a small part of me is a little surprised about LSU at five, just because last year seemed like such a perfect storm of quarterback and coach and situation with, you know, the how many great receivers they had and the the defensive talent. Not that LSU ever is lacking for, for talent at any point on the field, but... I I would have thought the unknowns of LSU with the changes both on the sideline and on the offensive roster would have dropped them a little bit beneath five, somewhere in like the eight, nine range. But I think, I guess, benefit of the doubt exists. Sure. Yeah. If I'm counting correctly, it's what? Two of the top 10 teams, three of the top 10 teams that are going to be breaking in new starting quarterbacks. I'm not going to count Alabama because... You know, Mac Jones has played some high profile games, but um, yeah, the LSU one jumped out at me. I think Oklahoma and Georgia do as well, just because of that quarterback factor. Um, Yeah. Obviously, both teams are loaded to the gills. They're going to be top caliber by the time we get through all this. But to start Georgia off at three with some questions around like, is Jamie Newman going to be Good. That's if it's Jamie Newman, it could be JT Daniels. Could be JT Daniels. Yeah. No, I, I think look, is is Kellen Mond a top 10 national quarterback in a big 10 and Pac 12 existing time? Probably not, but here he is at number nine. And I the case is that AM schedule is going to be a lot more workable than it was last season when it was just impossible. It was just impossible. So yes, with the amount AM has returned, talent-wise and coaching staff-wise, there's a pretty easy case to be made that with a, a limited number of Power 5 teams in the marketplace, that they're yeah. a top 10 team. Um, it, it's just there's a lot of teams in here where you're like, I just don't see that at all in terms of a top 20, top 15. Like Virginia Tech at number 18, they were a much better team with Hendon Hooker starting at quarterback. But they had some problems. Yeah. They had some problems on both sides of the ball. And for them to be considered top 20, I guess it takes special circumstances like we have now. There are going to be some coaches using this AP top 25 to get another contract. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. You, you mean the preseason top 25? <laughs> Not the preseason, but when it's all said and done, yeah. the top 20 team maybe doesn't quite have the same weight that it did when two of the Power Five conferences hadn't canceled their seasons. Just saying. I think that's right. Yeah, no, and not a lot of asterisks on social media posts, it seems. No. Well, here's an interesting tidbit. Yeah. Um, To the point of top 25s and how will the season be affected. Shortly before we came on the air, Jason Kersey, who covers Oklahoma football for The Athletic, tweeted out, quote, Lincoln Riley won't say which position group it is, but says he had one group essentially wiped out, all but one, by a COVID test. He said it's a position group that, quote, needs multiple guys on the field together. Now, this is interesting. I'm not trying to imply that Oklahoma is going to be hampered come the latter part of September. They'll be able to play These guys all may be healthy and yeah. They'll be fine. But this kind of speaks to the challenge of playing college football in the time of coronavirus. What happens if something like this goes down during a season? What happens if a whole wide receiving core, a whole line gets wiped out? Those guys suddenly can't play for at least two weeks. I know some of these schedules have been engineered in such a way that, yes, we've got time to move games. We can shift and flex as we see fit. But 
just to give folks a preview of, I think, what we can expect. Um, you know, I'd like to know what the position group is. Maybe that would help us with uh, some betting lines in the latter part of September. Oh, Ty. Well, I'm that just saying. tasteless. I know, but I'm tasteless. just saying. Uh, I'd like to know that all the players are okay and healthy. That would be well, that's good to know. But yes, um, I think, yeah, I think this is going to be very real and it's going to, and this is you know what the Larry Scott and Kevin Warren had to defend, sometimes not great in the way that they canceled their conferences seasons where it's tough decisions are going to be made and they're going to be needed down the line in terms of thresholds, in terms of how sick and quarantine and how far spread and tracing and I think it might speak a little to who's actually making the decisions. Who has all of the data? How often are they receiving data? Is it a coach decision? Is it an AD decision? Is it uh, a president decision? Is it a conference decision? It. I, I assume schools and conferences are having these conversations and position groups. And I, I would assume you also have to have conversations within coaching staffs about who feels comfortable and yeah. can find spaces and stuff like that, because there are coaches who fall into age groups that are more susceptible than players. So I, I think it's going to be fascinating to learn how schools handle things like this over the course of the season, because Okay, so eight players are now quarantined. That's a number I just made up. Eight right. players are now quarantined for state U, whatever. And they feel good enough about their depth and the number of bodies they have that are not quarantining out of caution to play a game. They want to play a game. The rest of the team is fine. Is that optically something that a program is willing to go forward with? I don't know. No. Well, again, more of a preview. Texas Tech reporting 21 active COVID-19 cases um, within the football program, but they're going to continue to practice without those individuals who have been placed in self-isolation to prevent further spread of the virus. We also saw news in the last few days about NC State pausing their athletic activities, including football, after some clusters were found within their various athletic programs. Overall, 27 cases of COVID-19 within the athletic department not yeah. all of the cases involve student athletes. Presumably that means some staff members or whatnot. But um, I, I would just say get used to this, right? This is going to be our new reality for the time being if we're going to mount any kind of season, whether it's in the fall or frankly the spring. I think this is going to be a recurring theme that we're just going to have to try and get as comfortable with as we can. The other yeah. thing that I wanted to point out here is, and, and this is my question that I foreshadowed a bit in our intro the college football playoff committee is going gung-ho to release their first weekly rankings on november the 17th now despite the fact that it does feel a little incomplete regardless of what Dabo sweeney has to say it's a little <laughs> incomplete to me excuse me dr Dabo. dr Dabo. Yeah. excuse me yeah feels a little incomplete but these are the teams that are playing so i i understand that they want to do the rankings in the playoffs to the best of their ability I'm real curious right about now what the Big Ten and Pac-12 are thinking, because I take them at their word that they called off the season out of an abundance of caution based on health data that they got from experts. I know there's a lot right. of disagreement out there, a lot and of backlash. The unknowns. the unknowns. I think that was, and Ross mentioned that. It's not just the data, but it's that we don't have complete data. They did it for the right reasons. I have no doubt about that. Okay. I'm just wondering how they are envisioning their spring season. Did they think that if they pulled the plug, that others would be soon to follow? My assumption is yes, because otherwise I wonder if they wouldn't have hung on the way some of the other conferences have. This makes it all but impossible to have any kind of national champion in the spring season. You're going to have two conferences, a couple others maybe playing their games, an exhibition slate of sorts in the springtime. It works a little better, frankly. It definitely is more symmetrical if you've got all of the conferences playing at the same time. But when you mix and match like this, when you stagger some in the fall, some in the spring, uh, it just gets really messy. And this whole playoff thing, like they're not going to do two playoffs, right? So how do the Big Ten and Pac-12 spin it? Do they just play against each other in bowl games? Or I don't know. It just seems like it's quite a mess. 
Well, I would imagine there there are definitely. I think the overwhelming amount is the concern that they have for for playing with so many unknowns and the health stuff, and perhaps you know talking about liability and how to maneuver that whole section of the sport. But I also think one, it's it's buying time, and it's also. I would assume, this is me assuming, I would assume the Big Ten and the Pac-12 knew that at least the SEC and Big 12, maybe not the ACC, but the SEC and Big 12 were going to try everything they could to move forward. And they could then in turn gather data from those experiments and taking off a couple games here and there and flex scheduling and what to do when there are positive tests, what to do when there are clusters, what to do with tracing, that they can actually draft off of the data of other conferences so they can point to the fact that they're doing as much due diligence as possible and I guess using a couple of other power conferences, at least a couple, as guinea pigs through this whole very strange college football experiment. That's that's an assumption I have that that's a conversation behind closed doors, that we can take the lessons. And certainly all conferences have looked to the NBA and have looked to other sports, whatever it's Korean baseball or soccer overseas, to see how athletic departments or programs or franchises, whatever – have dealt with illness and adjusting on the fly. Major League Baseball has run into some issues. So that's that's something I see happening, that those two conferences are saying, one, we're doing this because it's better to be too cautious than too adventurous with public yeah. health. And two, we can learn from others trying to do what we'd like to do. I think that's sort of the thinking as well. Yeah, I, you know, like I said, I think everyone's heart is in the right place. It's just a very awkward yeah. time. And yeah. seeing some of these news stories that we've got other conferences, we've got the playoff committee trying to push forward, it, it obviously amps up the pressure a little bit on guys like Kevin Warren and out in the Pac-12 as well. Like it's it, it's it's weird for everybody involved, I'm sure. So it we'll would see. have been the worst idea for the college football playoff to say Man, it's a strange year. We're going to hold off on saying anything oh, about our you would plans love that, right now. Wouldn't you? You would love that. You hate the playoff. <laughs> I don't hate the playoff. I like watching high-level games, but the focus on the playoff as a central part of the sport is not for me. That's all. All. Right. all right. So some other news tidbits here before we get into our little betting segment, I guess. Gambling. Whatever yeah. you want to call it. Tennessee is restricting ticket sales to about 25% of Neyland Stadium. This is a stadium that you may know, Dan, holds 102,455 fans. We talk about that all the time. Yep. means about 25,000 fans are going to be in the stadium. I've got a quote here from Philip Fulmer, their athletic director. Quote, these circumstances are beyond our control. We understand the importance of playing our part in keeping our community healthy. For those who will be with us in the stadium this season, please know we are committed to creating the safest possible environment in and around Neyland Stadium. So Neyland Stadium, I believe the fifth biggest stadium. And uh, with Beaver Stadium and Michigan Stadium and Ohio Stadium not playing, it's suddenly catapulted higher up on that list. We will see how they do. We will see yeah. how they do here as this gets closer. It's very strange that there are, I mean, I've seen some of the early games have said, I think it was BYU-Navy I saw, that there are going to be no fans in the stands. It's very strange that there are different, and I understand that public health is different everywhere in terms of spread and cases and clusters, but it would be really nice if we had some sort of consensus about the same sport and what they're doing about crowds or no crowds or what percentage of crowds it is very strange to see because yeah. there's consensus in Major League Baseball. There's consensus about what's going on in the NFL. I just saw the Rams announce that SoFi Stadium, there, there are going to be no fans. It's the new stadium in LA. Um, it's it's just odd. It's just odd that whoever is making the decisions at Tennessee, and this is not to single out Tennessee because we've seen it at other places like Texas and a couple places in the SEC, where it's just like, well, we're going to go with 50%. Okay, no, now we're going with 25%. Oh, maybe we'll be back up, back up to 50%. We'll see what happens. Where it would just be nice if somebody made a decision and just went with it. What do you say we close out with two happier stories, Dan? I'm ready. Let's let's eliminate bummers for now. Cincinnati has re-upped with Luke Fickle. 
gave him a contract extension through 2026. Weird time to be giving out contract extensions, not going to lie. But Luke Fickle has earned it. It will increase his salary to $3.4 million annually. That's a good chunk of change. And Cincinnati is one of those schools. I mean, they were in the Big East. This is a major program. They just don't happen to play in a Power 5 conference. So I guess good for Cincinnati for stepping up after Luke Fickle decided he didn't want to take the Michigan State job. I imagine this extension has been in the works for a good long time, but announcing it at the height of when things have been really bad would have been in poor taste to say we're giving our football coach uh, a a good raise, but he's definitely earned it, and Cincinnati football should be very good as long as Luke Fickle is there. And finally, North Dakota State, Dan, you may recall, will not be playing their season this fall. As is the case, as is the case also with schools in the Southland Conference, like Central Arkansas. But due to some flexibility that the conferences have granted member schools, they can play kind of like a limited exhibition slate of sorts. This is sort of the Cinco de Tayo, but happening in the fall. It kind of is. So yada, 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 North Dakota State, the Bison, (laughs) scheduled to play... A game on October 3rd against Central Arkansas of the Southland Conference. That game's going to be in Fargo. Yep. And it's interesting because North Dakota State's quarterback, Trey Lance, is a projected first-round selection. Some prospects in this game. Dylan Redunce, he's a left tackle for North Dakota State. Cordell Volson, a right tackle for North Dakota State. As well as Robert Rochelle, who is a cornerback for Central Arkansas. Gives these kids an opportunity maybe to showcase what they can do in a game where presumably they're going to have a pretty nice stage. It won't count for anything. It sounds like they're going to play their actual season in the springtime. But um, curious to see what kinds of other opportunities such as this bubble up now that North Dakota State has announced. Central Arkansas went nine and four last year. They went so, 9-4. They've got a couple national championships to their name. It's kind yeah. of a, a credible program, sure. Uh, so I suppose if you're... I don't think Trey Lance will be eligible for the NFL draft, though, right? He Was was he a true freshman or a redshirt freshman last year? You might he have is, to look that up. All I saw is that he is projected as the 14th player off the board. Oh, okay. So he will be eligible for the draft. Okay, so he I believe that's oh. I believe that's correct, yes. Okay, so... Now we have tape against Trey Lance against the Central Arkansas Bears. <laughs> Congratulations, NFL scouts. Uh, good for NDSU. Good for Central Arkansas to get a game of football in. I will watch it because I've only watched clips of Trey Lance and came away very impressed. And to bring it back to me, because I love doing that, tie, I was severely bummed out that we were not going to be able to see Oregon, Ohio State as a college football fan, as an Oregon fan, you know, in, in Autzen Stadium. It would just it would have been incredible. I'm not bummed out we lost Oregon, North Dakota State. (laughs) (laughs) When I saw that that was canceled, that the Pac-12 was moving away from non-conference games, and so that meant no Ohio State, the Buckeye loss, huge bummer. NDSU, like, it's for the best. Yeah, (laughs) It is just for the best that Oregon either can't beat a team they're way more talented than or can't lose to a team that's seriously very, very good and an FBS team masquerading as an FCS one. That is the news for now of the real and the weird. Please do email us solidverbal at gmail.com if you have thoughts or anything else that you'd like for us to share on the next show, which again will come on, what, Friday morning to do our ACC preview, Dan. Okay. Correct. Now, before we get into some of these revised over-under totals and the odds to win conference championship games, I need you to pull up the schedule for the SEC. All right. SEC schedule is up. Here is what we're looking at with regard to our top, let's say, six teams. Georgia's over-under is eight and a half. Keep in Mm. mind, this is a 10-game season in the SEC. Alabama is at eight. Florida at seven and a half. LSU at seven. Texas A&M at seven. 
and Auburn at six and a half. So that's your cutoff point. That is my cutoff point for now. We could go deeper if we want to talk about Tennessee at five or Ole Miss at four. But for now, let's start with those six teams since we have talked an awful lot about them. How do you feel about that Alabama number being only at eight? So what are the presumed two losses to break even? Georgia, LSU, Georgia, A&M, top 10 A&M, Georgia, Tennessee on the road. So let's say, let's call it Georgia, LSU, because Alabama does not play Florida, correct? Correct. Regular season? Correct. Um, I'd probably take the over. It seems I like I'm taking the over. You are not alone in that assumption. Um, from what I can tell here, just based on the on the numbers, yeah, it looks like most people are going pretty heavy on that over as well. But um, you know, I'm assuming it's because they've got a Georgia game. It's at home, but they've got that game against Georgia. They're on the road at LSU. But um I, I I don't see them losing more than like two games. So I'd be inclined to go over even though you're not getting great odds on it. The one that I guess surprises me a little bit is LSU. Um, and it's for many of the same reasons that we discussed when we were going through that AP top 25 or the Rona revised top 25, excuse me. Yeah. This is a very difficult schedule. They're in the SEC West. We've already talked about the merits of the schedule here. This is also a team that loses a lot. Loses their sure. generational quarterback. They got a really good team coming back, mind you. But seven wins is interesting territory. And I think that could be right on the number, if you ask me. They're at Florida, which would be a tough place to play. They're at Jordan-Hare on Halloween. Jordan-Hare. Mm-hmm. They obviously have the Alabama game, which is played November 14th this year in this updated season. And ladder in the year, on the road at A&M, back at home first week of September against Ole Miss. Who knows what state Ole Miss will be in by then. But just a lot of variables on that schedule that leave me a little uncomfortable. I would turn a skeptical eye towards teams that are replacing both an offensive coordinator and a quarterback. That that's, I mean, so that's quasi LSU. I mean, Miles Brennan's been in the system for a while and Steve Ensminger is still there. But they're bringing a new, obviously, a passing game coordinator to to take over for for Joe Brady. So that's a concern. Alabama's in a good place. They return Mac Jones and obviously the freshman Bryce Young. So I think Alabama's a good place to to like the over. Ole Miss, new coach, but returning quarterback is nice. Tennessee, nice. A uh, and M, nice. Georgia, I'm worried. Florida, I like. Auburn, I. Th- think I like, but I don't love Bo Nix. So that's where I would actually try to go with the under. George eight and a half, I would probably go under. I, th- I think they're, it's it's probably an eight win Georgia team. I have not fully, we haven't done our SEC preview yet, so I can't fully speak to it, but, but purely based on Georgia's schedule, getting Alabama on the road, obviously Florida neutral site game, and everything else looks pretty good, but they still, what do they have? Auburn week two with new coordinator, new quarterback. They've got the bye before Florida. They've got State and Mike Leach air raid um, sandwiched between two winnable games, but still probably strange. So eight seems about right to me that there's at least an okay shot that they lose to. The one that I really like here, and I'm not saying this to be snarky or anything like that, but the pick here that I think I would feel most confident in on the SEC side, Auburn under six and a half. Walk me through it. Auburn's on the road at Georgia. They've got a home game against LSU, a road game against Alabama. I think there's probably three losses right there. It's a tough end stretch. I think that's probably three losses. And then on top of that, so that's already three losses in my unofficial math here. That means that in order to hit that over, they'd have to win out. There are some interesting games here. There's a road tilt against Ole Miss a week before they come back home against LSU, so perhaps some look-ahead potential there. Okay. There's a road tilt against Mississippi State. That's double road, too, right? They've got Carolina and Ole Miss. Carolina and Ole Miss, back-to-back. 
when they come back off a of bye week, first week of November, they go to Mississippi State. They've got a game against Tennessee in there before a game against Alabama. And then after they get beaten up by Alabama, sorry, Auburn fans, hate to say wow. that. Wow. What? After they, after they get beaten up by Alabama. I'm sorry, how many times exactly has Bo Nix lost to Alabama? If you can do that math on the fly. Then they come back home to square off against <laughs> Texas A&M. Yeah, no, it, it's it's definitely a tough November, early December. So I'm, I'm not as confident in that because I've just consistently, as a fan of a team who's played against an Auburn defense and good offenses who've played against recent Auburn defenses, I'm always impressed by Auburn. I, I think you might, I know you're talking about this in the context of probability, but I don't think I'm as down on Auburn as you are, though the losses on offense are concerning. And, you know, working in Chad Morris is, I, you know, how much autonomy is he going to have? That's always the question on the sideline at Auburn. So I, I understand it, but with Gus as the steadying force on offense, I don't think it's as big a deal. So I, yeah, I'm not as down on the Tigers there. Interestingly enough, your favorite, though, to win the SEC championship is Alabama. Yes, even though they're not the favorite for win total. Yeah. Even though they're not the favorite for win total, Alabama is favored. Georgia, Florida, LSU, Texas A&M. That's your top five. And interestingly enough, Tennessee is above Auburn. Tennessee's at 25 to 1, Auburn at 30 to 1 to win the SEC championship. Yeah, when Alabama actually has to play in the game, the SEC championship game, they tend to fare pretty well. So I like it. Let's move on to the Big 12. Okay. Um, so no surprise here. As we look at the Big 12, this is another conference playing, what, 10 games? Mm-hmm. 10 games. Oklahoma. Yep, nine plus one. Oklahoma sits at eight and a half. For their over-under. Hmm. Does that number... Okay. Does that number so what, cause So what game pause? does it hinge on? What, what's, their, what's their game number two that's going to give them a scare? Maybe they win close and win nine, or they lose that second game. Because they've been known to lose one of those, like they did last year to Kansas State. So if you look at their schedule, what is the... Okay, so the most likely loss is Texas, Texas. on a neutral field. We can agree. Yeah, it's obviously the Texas game, Dan, but the week before, yeah, first week of October, on the road at Jack Trice against Iowa State could be interesting. <sighs> yeah, I mean, you know I love me some Purdy, so I, I think that, mm, let's see, they're in Fort Worth, they're in Lubbock, but that's not a look ahead. TCU is not a look ahead before Lubbock. They've got Bedlam, but Bedlam's at home. Uh, yeah, the Baylor game, I suppose, to close out the year if they're feeling like it doesn't mean anything. Man, I'm down on Baylor. You know that. I know you are. So, okay. So, I think that's right. Yeah, going to Ames is, it's good for a scare at the very least. So, yeah, I think that's where the, the second loss hinges. I, you know, I sort of get it on the Oklahoma side. Only sort of. I know they've got the new quarterback and... Gosh, now we've got news about the coronavirus. So who yeah. knows which direction those things go. But I see Texas, You already disrespected Spencer Rattler, so you must love the under here. Uh, I kind of like the over. You disrespected Spencer Rattler. I like the over. <laughs> you the would. one I don't get is Texas. What if I gave you a nine and a half over under? Ooh, I probably wouldn't touch that, but I feel like that's a better line. Do you think nine and a half is better? Yeah. So they were a whisker away from losing to Baylor last year. Because then the question is, State. the question is, do they win all 10 or do they lose right. one? Well, they were a whisker away from Baylor twice, but yeah. Oh, all right. Like I said, the one that really gives me pause is Texas. Okay, why? Texas on this list that I'm looking at is at seven and a half wins. And we know the Oklahoma game, we can count that just for our purposes, is one. But in order to hit the under, you need to find two more. Two more on this. Most of their big games are at home, right? We've yeah. got an Oklahoma State game on the road, Boone Pickens Stadium. That'll be a tough place to play. But, I mean, they got to go to Kansas. they got to go to K-State, Texas Tech. Like, I'm not 
that worried about those games, even if they lose the week before the Red River shootout when they're at home against TCU. Yeah. It's you still need to get one other game in there if you want to hit that under. So my inclination at this point is to go over seven and a half on that Texas line. Can I hit you with a, a novel theory, a very new theory? Please. Could Texas suffer from the first ever let down look ahead sandwich in week one being let down by 2020 <laughs> and looking ahead to TCU and Oklahoma after Texas Tech in Lubbock? I mean, what do we know about Alan Bowman? Is he healthy? I, I would take week one Texas Tech ahead of many other weeks of Texas Tech in recent history. Man. The old 2020 letdown, early October look ahead. Uh, Texas goes down to Texas Tech week one. Okay. I don't know. Matt Wells year two. They lost a lot of weird games. 2019, a lot of close games coming out fired up. Let me read through some of these other ones quick. We've got Oklahoma okay. State at seven, Iowa State at six and a half, Baylor at six and a half. I'd go under on Baylor. I would big time go under. Yeah. Yeah, I could see a five and five year where by the end of the season, if there is, you know, everything goes as planned, that they've they've come together a little bit more. I just I'm worried about Charlie Brewer's health. And I know they've recruited quarterback pretty well behind him, but it's everything new. It's, you know, even though Charlie Brewer's back, his health isn't guaranteed for a full season. And new coaching staff, new offense, new terminology, new receivers to get used to, or full-time receivers. Yeah, I'd be a little bit worried about Baylor at six and a half. My my lock is TCU at six. I go over. I go over. Over six. Yeah. They're gonna have a pretty good defense. So who is who's getting them to seven? You like Oklahoma State's defense, which is pretty good. It was fine last season. Even if you talk about a loss against Iowa State at Texas and against Oklahoma, you still need to get one other loss to get to six. So the only way you can lose this bet is if they lose five games. Right. And they're not going to lose five games. Oklahoma, Texas, Iowa State. Baylor's on the road. I know you don't love Baylor. And that's coming off of a bye for the Pokes. Uh, Kansas looking forward to the bye on the road. They would have to lose five games for you to lose that bet. So I'd be inclined to go over. You're getting like even money based on the line I'm seeing. And I think worst case scenario is a push. Give me that over. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're just looking at Big 12 schedules here, or at least I am just looking at Big 12 schedules here. Um, yeah, I I might go under. Wow. I don't know. I don't I'm not crazy about Oklahoma State. We talked about that already. All right. Um, Just because just because I think their schedule. So they have, I think, how many teams have four in a row? Because there are two buys built into the Big 12 schedule. So West Virginia has five in a row in the middle of the season. Texas Tech has a four in a row. Oklahoma State has a four in a, four in a row. TCU has a four in a row. Kansas has a four in a, a four in a row. And Baylor has a five in a row. Weird how both Texas and Oklahoma, huh. Kansas State, who beat Oklahoma last year, who seems to have some momentum, uh, and... Iowa State, with their quarterback, they only have threes in a row. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So, I I actually am feeling now more confident in the teams that don't have the four in a row, even though that's extremely normal for a football season to play four consecutive weeks with all the uncertainty surrounding this fall. That is, it does seem like an advantage to have those two buys spaced as they are for those few teams. With regard to who's going to win the conference championship game, Oklahoma and Texas are both at plus 125. So that means you bet 100 bucks, get 125 back. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me they're at equal odds. Uh, I think the smart money would be that both those teams end up in that conference championship game. If you were a betting man, though, you might look to see if you can get better value elsewhere. You want to throw a few shekels on TCU at 30 to 1? See, that's not being realistic, though. 30 to 1. That's that's throwing away your money. Good defense, Dan. It's oh, no, okay. It's a fine defense. I, How about, okay, I, seven and a half to 1. Iowa State. 
so they're going to lose two games for sure. To me, just because they're Iowa State. I know you can take advantage of a, a weird year, but it just feels like they're going to lose two games. If they can worm into the championship game, they have, what, Oklahoma at home and they have Texas um, on the road in Austin. So let's say they split those two games and they lose, I don't know, to Oklahoma State or TCU to open up the season. And that gets them to eight and two. <sighs> That's probably the best case scenario. That means that Brock Purdy is having a hell of a year. That means that the developing guys on offense and defense uh, around, I think, pretty sound schemes. So I'm more inclined to roll with a good quarterback in Brock Purdy than I am with a pretty still large unknown in Max Duggan. So I, I, I think that's a little bit better. All right. Final and we've seen Iowa State perform later on in the year in the last couple of years. We've seen them come on stronger at the end of the year. So I like it. And I think I'm a little bit down because what, what do we call it? Like the stinker. Sam Ellinger is always good for a sink, a stinker, a Sammy stinker. And I like Sam Ellinger a lot. Um, that's the concerning thing where there's an expectation about Texas, whereas Iowa State's in the gravy position. The final power five knee power three. Nah. Conference here is the ACC, the newly expanded ACC, now with 15 teams. It should come as no great surprise that Clemson's over under is 10 and a half. Clemson. Mm -hmm. I think I would run to the bank laughing and go with over 10 and a half. Over 10 and a half feels like a very, very strong play at this early juncture. But um, who's beaten Clemson? I mean, Notre Dame and South Bend. Again, I ask who's beating Clemson. You're still, you're that, that's, that's something that's aghast to you. That's something I, that. No, I'm counting that so as so for Notre Dame. <sighs> yeah. I mean, the, the road situation, Wake Forest with a, a new full-time starting quarterback, Georgia Tech in year two, which I think is going to be improved. Notre Dame, which is, has that nice combination of, quarterback and defense for as much guff as I give Ian Book he's pretty good he's not a bad quarterback um and I like that combination Florida State should be better by the end of November Virginia Tech to close out the year is tough I I think you're I can't really make a strong case but all it takes is one loss all it takes is one all it takes is one by the way Pitt Panthers as a potential letdown look ahead end of November is interesting to me, but no, I just, I don't, I don't see it happening. So 10 and a half to me, I, I feel like I would go over on that one. The more interesting one in the ACC is I think when you get down to the next peg. So yeah. again, Notre Dame is now kind of like a full conference member, at least for one season and one season only. And based on what I see here, they are kind of like the favorite to, be number two in conference. Their over-under is eight and a half. Now, another important thing that we should mention here, I believe ACC teams are trying to play 11 games. Is that correct? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yes. So we got another game to work with here. If we're thinking of this in terms of Notre Dame, in terms of eight and a half, I'm not worried about that game that they picked up against, I think, USF. Right, I think they'll be okay against USF, but um, probably a loss to Clemson. Maybe a loss okay. somewhere along the way to a team like a, a Louisville or Louisville. A North Carolina. But eight and a half feels like a pretty strong play to me. I like the Notre Dame over. Yeah, I do. I I'm just go over now that I talk myself into. I know they're you know moving forward with. Either Tom or Tommy Reese. I can never keep it straight. But he's back to Tommy now. He is back to Tommy. Yeah. So he is an in-program hire. He's a promotion. He's not presumably going to be changing too many things. I'm sure he's going to be uh, adjusting somewhat. But there's a familiarity there with him as a coach, as an offensive coach, and I think what he called the plays in the bowl game. So that that seems like a positive sign. I like Clark Lee a lot on defense. I like how they recruited on defense. So. 
Yeah, I, I'm confident that Notre Dame is specifically built situationally to have a, a pretty nice year. So I'm going to go over there. By the way, that USF game isn't officially official, but they're okay. working on it. That's okay. They're working on it. So I like the over there. I think I think we're in agreement. As we look through some of the other teams on here, we've got North Carolina and Virginia Tech at seven and a half. Louisville, Florida State, both at Louisville. seven. Pitt and Wake Forest at six, and then you go down a bit. Virginia, five and a half. Duke, five. Syracuse, five. NC State, four. BC, four. Georgia Tech, two and a half, Dan. Two and a half. <sighs> yeah, it's going to be a strange year. I, I wonder, man, there's, there's a lot of interesting young quarterbacks just between McHale. McHale! Sam, <laughs> Sam Howell, Hendon Hooker. I, I, I like the idea of one of those teams making a really nice leap. Uh, Louisville has what? They have Notre Dame on the road, but they finish pretty nicely, right? Louisville finishes with Syracuse, Boston College on the road, and Wake. So I think I feel good about the Louisville over, maybe Virginia Tech under, but I think they still have a nice year, or maybe it's too close to call. Maybe it's a stay away from me. Ty, should we talk about Pitt? I would love to talk about Pitt. <laughs> what do you want to talk about with Pitt? Um, I'd like to talk without having thoroughly studied their roster. Their road slate is the first part of the season pretty great, right? I mean, the fact is they have, and it's very confusing because the ACC printout of the schedule, home games are in white and the Big 12, the home games are in gray for some odd reason, the ones I printed out. But Pitt... It's not a terrible thing. Like they could start five and zero. Austin P, the governors, governors, Syracuse, Louisville, NC State, on the road at Boston College. Those are their first right. five games. I don't think so. They're, they're not on the road. They're not on the road until week five. Until week five, I don't think they're beating Louisville. But point taken. Games at home. Louisville has early. Miami the week before. It's possible. Yeah. 5 and 0 is it's there. It's on on the table. Now, it's a tough, you know, after that it's like Georgia Tech and then where's the other comfortably winnable game? But in a strange year, there's something chewing at the back of my brain that says Pitt is up to the task. <laughs> Pitt is up to being that team in a strange year. I don't know. I I'm just, I'm getting those tingles, Ty. All right. Well, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I can't draw it out of the you. Florida, the Florida State one to me, I, I truly have no idea. I need to do some studying on Florida State as we get into our ACC preview. But sure. I see road games against Miami, against Notre Dame, against Louisville. Mm-hmm. Louisville. There's also a game in there against Clemson. There's your Pitt Panthers in there. Obviously. There's North Carolina the week after Notre Dame before they go on the road to the Louisville Cardinals. So there's just a lot of uncertainty here. And uh, I like Mike Norvell. I think if given time, he can turn Florida State around and revitalize the offense and whatnot. But Florida State's had some bumps here. <laughs> yeah. Over the long off season thus far, not not to mention changing schemes and and coaching staff and yeah, just seems like a lot to look at. It's not a good year to have an unproven like a, a quarterback who has never proven himself to be anything above okay, and new coaches all around, uncertainty surrounding the program. Sometimes having players butt heads with media and the coaches and each other and. It just maybe football is that thing that everybody can focus on in Tallahassee. And it's just we're all in it together. It's a weird year. It's a weird situation to win eight games means losing basically to Clemson and Notre Dame and hoping for the best against Miami on the road and North Carolina at home. I think so. Yeah, okay. I mean, seven. I think seven is the right number. I don't think I'd want yeah, to it's Louisville it. on the road. Yeah. I don't think I'd want to bet it, but it makes sense to me looking at it that seven would be the number there. Any others that jump out to you in the ACC? I, I think I'd probably go under for Florida State. Um, 
I don't think so. Virginia is interesting to me just because they had such a good year last year, but they lose so much and so much of that offense was Bryce Perkins, though. I, I know people are a little bit optimistic about the, the quarterbacks that are behind him. Five and a half. I, that tells me Vegas does not think all that much of the who's. So I'm just going to stay away. NC yeah. State is... I mean, just on campus, NC State's a disaster right now, and I have no idea what the future holds for them, so I'd probably take advantage of that in a very sick way and go under for NC State at this point. No. That's um, all. The ACC championship odds are skewed heavily in favor of the Clemson Tigers. Clemson right now at minus 350, which means you'd have to bet 35 bucks to win 10. Yep. Generally not, not- a good bet. Not not a good bet. Um, and I happen to be pretty confident that Clemson is going to win, but even still, there's really no there's no value there. After Clemson, the after Clemson, you get to Notre Dame at five to one, Miami, North Carolina, both at sixteen to one, and then Florida State at twenty to one. The rest of them, frankly, are real long shots. Pitt, Virginia Tech, both forty to one, Louisville fifty to one, NC State a hundred to one. Boston College, Duke, and Georgia Tech, all 250 to 1. So if you are to look at these odds and come away with anything, Vegas is saying that it's most likely going to be Clemson, but if it's not, it's either Notre Dame, Miami, North Carolina, or Florida State. And you don't feel good about the Irish? I I mean, I feel good about them, generally speaking. I don't feel good about them beating Clemson. I feel I mean, better about them. Good time to get them. It'd be a great time to get him. And maybe maybe the play here is to throw some of that caution to the wind and instead say, as you've said all along, it's a weird season. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen in November? Guys sitting out, teams being in a bit of disarray, even if we make it that far. Who knows? Right. So it stands to reason that any of these teams really pick out a long pit, pick out pit. Pick out Virginia Tech. Get some of these long shots. Why? Just throw a few, throw it's a few not shekels. ACC. Throw a few shekels on it. It's a weird year. If you have too much money. What if what if all of Clemson, Miami, and North Carolina get sick? I don't know. I've that again, I'm not gonna bet on that. Ty, I'm just telling you right now, it's August 25th. Yeah. Give me the Irish. Oh just stop it. I knew you just were doing wake that. up those echoes, Ty. I walked right into it. Just give me those Irish. Look, I'm not ACC. betting on people to get sick. I'm just saying it's a possibility. If we're gonna I'm do this saying, thing, if we're gonna do this thing, it is a possibility. And as we said months ago, there are gonna be weird gambling ramifications that probably don't feel good, but yes, yeah. are part of the real world in 2020. Yeah, it feels like a Notre Dame season to me. <laughs> uh, turn that music off. All right. Well, we appreciate everyone stopping on by. As we said throughout the course of this episode, Friday is going to be your ACC preview. Yes. And then at some point the following week, we'll eventually make our way over to the SEC as well. And then see what other kind of conferences we can drizzle in. You know, they're they're not the only conferences playing football. There are others out there who are trying to do so as well. So we'll we'll do our best to present as clear and open-minded a preview of across college football is humanly possible. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. That is all I have, Daniel. Um, we received a lot of great feedback after your interview with our good friend, Michael Felder. What did you think? What are you cooking, Ty? What is, that went, in, what is it inspiring you to do? I went through after the fact, as we typically do here. Yeah. And when I was putting the show together, I was, I was clicking through, I was... I was scrubbing through trying to find like, all right, what these guys talk about so that I can write mm-hmm. it in the show description. And uh, I was clicking around. I'm like, okay, I didn't hear any football there. Um, <laughs> I clicked a little bit, a little bit further. Yeah, I still didn't hear it. Still, finally, about 45 minutes in, I'm like, damn, they really didn't talk any football. This is a cooking no. show that Correct. was masquerading as a football episode. And um, I, my, this is probably going to sound goofy. But we're all friends here. I'm ready. Come on. It's safe. I can cook the best omelet you've ever had. Yeah, you you take a lot of pride in that. Okay. 
I can cook the best omelet you've ever had. That is my one claim to cooking fame. Yes. I, okay, so what is it about your technique and combination of ingredients? Are you using creme fraiche? Are you, you, what are you, are you using heavy cream? Are you using a dairy thing to really get the fluffiness out of those eggs? What, what is it about your omelets? Is it a French-style omelet? I don't know what a French-style omelet is, but I can tell you what a okay. Thai-style omelet is. Okay. Uh, I use my cast iron, which you know I'm in love with. Of course. And cooking an omelet on cast iron requires a, a fair amount of, of, of oil or butter or something to keep it from sticking, but a lot of finesse. You know, you got to be careful. Eggs are delicate. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we can really put whatever you want in that thing, but I think the trick for me is to cook it low and slow. Oh, yeah, of course. I don't want to burn the outside of it. And uh, especially when you're using cast iron, it's very easy to do. What's in your bowl of whipped eggs? Usually, I'll keep it simple with a little bit of salt, um, some cracked pepper. We'll just keep it basic. We'll put sometimes a little bit of olive oil in there as well as- No dairy fat. Generally, no. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Then we'll throw whatever you want in it, but gotten very good at it. Potatoes, you want some broccoli, you want some mushrooms, you name it, whatever you want. But you're not overcooking. That's the tough part. You're not overcooking. Okay. Not overcooking. So it's a creamier egg? It it, it can be creamier. Solid Wife Kate does not like the creamier version of the omelet. So Okay. So But I can make to you, order. You can't really buy an omelet ahead of time from the market and just heat it up. Like no. you kind of have to make an omelet, or I guess you could pick one up from a diner and I mean eggs don't travel at all. So you have to home make an omelet. What is it that Felder talked about? I know you went through the show probably somewhat quickly as you were editing, but you know, is it a hamburger bun? Is it growing more herbs or or fruit or vegetables? Is it taking care to, to more to do more experimenting like he talked about is there you know a certain like it's too late in the year to start growing a tomato vine right yeah just right. it's august were you at all inspired to potentially next year because you're a tomato lover ty a globe tomato perhaps that's right. lover that's right um that next year because you like your pasta sauce so much you like throwing you know burgers and throw a fresh slice of to you know a, a ripe beef steak tomato on there or Good something beef like steak that tomato so beefy yeah so beefy. So is there is there something you'd like to grow? Is there something that you'd want to consider scratch baking or roasting? Or do you want to be spatchcocking a chicken like Felder talked about? Remove that spine right. and, and really get good at that whole roast or, or grilled chicken, something like that. What I give me, give me something. I want to make friends with people who like gardening. Okay. Oh, so you want their I want their fresh herbs and vegetables and fruit. Yeah. I don't want okay. to, have to deal with that. That's just a little too much for me, but um, the homegrown fruits and vegetables are always kind of a treat to bring them into. Do you know? So you don't currently know anybody? Well, Uncle Joe Calruso. What does he grow? Everything. Okay. Everything. So I've been getting my, my cherry tomatoes from him. I've been getting squash and zucchini from him. Yeah. You name it, he grows it. So- He's been my my hookup here thus far throughout 2020. Here's what I'm going to recommend. Just because I just did it, because I can speak to it first person. Get some tomatoes from him. I don't know if it's cherry tomatoes or just whatever. I got him in the fridge tomatoes. downstairs now. You slice them in half, cut off the top, core it just a little bit. You, you get a sheet pan and you lay the tomatoes flat, uh, maybe four of them. You get, I don't know, a couple of cloves of garlic, leave the skin on. You take take a couple jalapenos, core those, cut off the top, put those face down, and then you just oh, and and half an onion, half like a sweet yellow onion, and you just put it under the broiler for like I don't know until they're they really kind of char and blacken, and then you put it in a food processor. You take the the garlic out of the skins. You put it put it in a fruit food processor with a little bit of maybe the juice of half a lime, maybe a little bit of kosher salt. You puree that sucker. You throw in a, a little bit of a few sprigs, a third of a bunch of cilantro, pureed a little bit more. You got salsa. You've got the best damn salsa you've ever had. Ever. Hmm. Interesting. If you if you have a tomato hookup, Ty, take advantage. My God, Ty, what are you doing? Life is short. 
All right, Dan, fun show. <laughs> You're not committing? I'm not committing, no. Ah, stupid. Fun show. Appreciate everyone stopping on by. Thank you for downloading. Don't forget to go on out to our website, solidverbal.com. That's where you can find the greatest hits. Also, where you can find all of our subscribe links. Don't forget, if you like the show, if you've already subscribed, if you're looking for a way to get involved, every little bit helps when it comes to five-star reviews. So get at it. Yeah. We'd appreciate it, especially if you like the show. Five stars helps. And if you don't follow us on social media, we'd encourage you to do so. Got a lot of fun and exciting stuff coming down. Uh, not to give away too much of the game, but we're excited. But I did just record an episode of <laughs> with our friend. <laughs> that is true. It is. That's factually correct. Okay. All right. For that guy over there, my good friend, Dan Rubenstein. For myself, Ty Hildebrandt, thank you so much for joining us. We will talk to you all on Friday. In the meantime, stay safe and stay solid. Peace. Peace.